Thank you so much for the privilege to be able to talk to you today. Um, as Robert said, this sermon comes out of something of a passion of mine, which is the joy of God. And it's really interesting how God brings these things together. It's kind of been a bit of a mini-series from Becky Webb talking about no other gods and then Tom last week about loving the Lord your God and then today the quest for joy. So what am I going to cover today? You know, will you learn anything new? Probably not. It's just kind of sit back, let's just receive a bit. Will it refresh your passion for God and help you glorify God? That's my prayer. That's my hope for today. So if I were to summarise my goal for this talk, and I guess my life is, you can't overdo enjoying God. So that's where we're going with this. You can't overdo enjoying God. So I'm going to draw from the bits of the Bible, which is always good, and we'll probably hover around Philippians mostly. But just something I wanted to point out. When you look at the Bible and you're thinking about joy, suddenly you see it coming out everywhere. Worship time was a good example of that today as well. But the Bible is full of words like joy, rejoice, and delight. I like the word delight in particular. And so I hope as you read the scriptures, you'll kind of see that kind of subject come out. And it's in different situations, different uh, kind of places from worship, mission, to coping with things like hardship and rejection and suffering. But joy is in there from the beginning to the end. So today I'm going to take two well-known passages from Philippians. Philippians 3 verse 1 is rejoice in the Lord. It's a very similar one in Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if we haven't underlined it enough again, I will say rejoice and uh, we, we're just at an interesting time in our family at the moment where uh, when we sit down for mealtimes and uh, we say grace uh, at the moment, Daniel and, and Naomi seem to take it upon themselves to sing Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. So there's a bit of a family thing which is developing there, which is grace. But, uh, you know, this, this song maybe will help you remember this as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. So we're going to be a little bit radical today. I've got four points, yeah. <laughs> We've got, got an extra one for you. So first of all, is, you know, very, very simply, what is joy? What am I on about? Give you some feel for, for definition. Secondly, I want to talk about rejoicing, the heart response. Thirdly, rejoicing, the step of faith. And fourthly, something that I'm calling the great joy. So what is this joy, number one? What is this joy? And I guess I wanted to just contrast it with happiness. Joy is not something superficial. If we were to say that happiness was something like an outward expression, joy would be an inner peace and contentment. If happiness were temporary, based on some circumstance, joy is lasting, based on some inward circumstance. And I want to do a little experiment, bear with me, where it says a little bit of an icebreaker. Daniel's been... uh, inventing some jokes recently and I want to try these out on you and see how we're doing. Now for whatever reason they're based on ants, you know, little kind of things that crawl around. So let's see how this goes. Um, Where does an ant that likes the cold go? If I get it right. Antarctic. Very good. No, no, laugh, not go. So, very good. Um, and what's the other one? What clothing does an ant wear if he's feeling cold? <laughs> Was that pants? 
<laughs> we made, made it into pants on the seminar already. Uh, I was thinking more like antifreeze, which is quite good as well. But anyway, so that, that's where Daniel's at. But maybe that could be considered happiness, something a bit more superficial. Let's face it, if there were pain in your life, maybe you could still laugh at a silly joke like that. We're talking about joy that's deep down. That's where we're going today. So if I could use a definition, on the one hand, it is to experience great pleasure or delight. Or secondly, the emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So we'll revisit this phrase, rejoice in the Lord always, again and again, and use my favourite online kind of Greek Bible tool. The word rejoice, if you look at it, is very closely linked to grace, the same root word. So it's almost like rejoicing in the abundance of of what God gives us. So to to delight in God's grace, to experience God's grace, to be conscious for God's grace. It's not just abstract emotion. No, it is in something, it's in a source of, of what God is and what he's done. So stating the obvious, joy is an emotion. I wonder how we feel about that. We're in an English church, but we might have to get used to that. The kingdom of God, after all, is one of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Sounds good. But joy isn't a random emotional outburst. No, it has a focus, it has a source, like a river that comes from within is joy. And that's what we want to, to seek. So moving on, the second point. I want to talk and I want to spend a bit of time on this one. Rejoicing, the heart response. And I guess I want to tell a little bit of my story that probably explain one or two things for you. Um, this was the start of my discovery of rejoicing in the Lord. And when I was a teenager, uh, maybe 15, 16, 17, that kind of age, I, I was a pastor's kid, I probably should say that. And I thought I was quite good, you know, I think. Uh, but Christianity, very much coming towards the end of my teenage years, was something that you had to do, right? It was about being good. It was about conforming to some sort of external kind of pressure or conform to some sort of behaviour. I didn't resent this. No, I had chosen Christianity. But there's just a strong emphasis on duty to do it regardless of how you feel. Maybe the stiff upper lip even. Now, I don't want to kind of exaggerate this but this is something of an undercurrent that I think is still in our society, maybe less so these days. Um, and I'm not in the habit of quoting philosophers, but uh, I wanted to bring a little kind of a philosophical view for you today. Uh, this is from Immanuel Kant. He, he said uh, the following, An action is moral only if one has no desire to perform it. An action is moral only if one has no desire to perform it, but performs it out of a sense of duty. A benefit destroys the moral value of an action. A benefit destroys the moral value of an action. Well, have you read about the rewards in Scripture? God doesn't seem to work like that. Is it mercenary to seek reward? Does, the, does this stop the action being moral or noble? And it was into that kind of context that I had two wonderful things happen to me. One was I read this book and I just... Wave it at you. It's quite, quite well used now. Desiring God by John Piper changed my life. The other, a big encounter with the Holy Spirit. It changed my life. So <laughs> let's spend a bit of time on desiring God. If, if I could just kind of give you some of the, the main points that really 
came home to me out of that and have changed my life, it gave me permission to seek to enjoy God as much as I possibly can. That's quite amazing. So the crux of the book is actually based on a, you ready for this, it's a variant of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Do you know your West... Okay. What's the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Now, this is great because it's actually come out of the Church of England. About the 1600s, they kind of, you know, sat together, an assembly of them, and trying to work out, you know, what are the key tenets of our faith? And they come up with a load of questions and answers. And basically, it's, it's great for teaching kids and helping us get to grips with what our faith is about. And question number one, I have to admit, I haven't got much further than that. Question number one, which John Piper uh, quotes and tweaks in his book, is what is the chief end of man? Now, the chief end of man, they say, is to glorify God. Fair enough, that sounds pretty good. Now, John Piper uh, kind of tweaks the next bit because he says, it's by, and do you know what the rest of it is? Is it serving? Now, is it... Is it kind of dispassionate worship? Is it even suffering? How do we best glorify God? Does anyone know the answer? By enjoying him forever. Now, as I said, I love the fact that this came out of the Church of England. These guys, right at the heart of the faith, the main, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. That sounds pretty cool. Our highest calling is our most rewarding. I have an example of this. My poor wife will have to put up with a couple of examples today. Imagine the scenario, don't read too much into this, where I buy my wife a bunch of flowers. Uh, now, obviously, she's delighted with this, and she says, oh, thank you, Jonathan, you know, how thoughtful. Imagine the following kind of responses that I could give to her. Oh, no worries, I had it scheduled on my calendar. <laughs> How does that go down? Or, I was told I ought to get you some flowers. Or, it's what I agreed to do when I said I do 14 years ago. (laughs) How does that compare to a response like, you know what, I love you, I appreciate you, and I enjoy you, my wonderful wife. (laughs) So, But if we could kind of think of what that's like in terms of honouring my wife, glorifying her, as it were, by me enjoying her. And that's the kind of picture I want to cultivate as we're thinking about our God. Is, it, is he most glorified and say, I'm going to get there at four o'clock, I will raise my hand. Or is it, you know what, I've got to get in, I've got to be with him, I've got to enjoy him for all his glory and all his worth and just say, more of you, God. Wow, right? Glorifying of our God. That's amazing. So John Piper talks about that quite a lot. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Another refrain from the book that he he covers quite a lot is God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He's most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God gets glory as we rush into worship time. God gets glory when we serve with the exuberance that's come from just delighting in who he is. As a teenager, hearing this gave me permission to seek my joy in God and God alone. I cannot overdo this joyful response to seeing God, being with God, delighting in God. Consider, rejoice in the Lord. It is wholly and exclusively rejoicing in him, in God. Another 
uh, bit of the Bible, just so you know it's not just the one bit. Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's pretty cool. You put up the, the next picture. This made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. This is actually back from 2008. It was a campaign by um, the various atheists in the country to, to put this slogan up. There's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And this, this kind of, I thought was brilliant, right? So they've got a kind of the goal right that we're going to enjoy ourselves. We are designed for joy and enjoying things. Obviously, they missed the point a little bit because they're talking about probably getting drunk, good career, whatever it is. Now, but they're kind of acknowledging that we were designed that way. We were designed for joy. They don't know where to find it. So I quite like that. And I also just, uh, I did quite like the fact that they had to put the word probably in there. So they're atheists to that far, but not enough to say there's no God. So I like this. There is a God. You know what? Stop worrying and enjoy your life in him. That sounds like a good word right there. So another hero of mine, C.S. Lewis, I had to get him in. He'll only make two appearances today, but he says in his paper, The Weight of Glory, listen to this. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and to eagerly hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward, the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, he finishes. Our desires are not too strong, but too weak. Wow. Just a quick example of it. Obviously, was thinking of maybe some of the application for this, and it's it's not too hard, right? Spend a bit of time enjoying God. You know, Becky Webb had a, a brilliant quote, I think, uh, a couple of weeks back, where she said, "Don't put Jesus on your to-do list. Right? Just be with Him. Just enjoy Him." And uh, again, when I was a student, actually, it was just down the road. We had a, a conference that was hosted at the Renewal Church. Terry Virgo was preaching, and a few of us went to quiz him at the end. Now, we're just asking about his quiet times and what does he do in his quiet times. And he said something which just stayed with me. He said, I'm not very good at praying. <gasps> Gasp. He said, I can't stop worshipping, he said. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. And, I mean, I'm humbled by the guy. I think he's incredible. And look what he's achieved. What does he do? He gets distracted by worshipping God and enjoying him. What a wonderful example that is for us. Holy Spirit's here. I've got a daft question for you. How should we express this God-glorifying joy? How should we express it? Um, Part of my story... (laughs) Part, part of my story is, is um, and I can't, really sorry about this, <laughs> what you go through, is that the effect of two or three hours of rolling on the floor laughing as a teenager, and again, 
just remember the context it came into. I was fairly jovial, but, you know, quite straight Christian. And, you know, just flawed. And I, I do remember just kind of lying on the floor laughing, just saying, more, Lord, more of you. Um, it was in the time where um, the so-called Toronto blessing, the Holy Spirit was being poured out. That's not a past thing, by the way. That carries on to this day. And I just remember trying to get to the car and failing um, and falling on the floor in the car park. But that, that's changed me, right? Turns out that joy in the Holy Spirit can make you laugh. <laughs> it's amazing stuff, this, right? And, and I was chuckling because with you guys coming back from Africa, I thought you wouldn't need to make this point in Africa. But there's a risk standing here, and this is me as well, right? That we could say joy in the Lord could be spiritualized, it could be divorced from something that actually gets expressed. And the reason I want to say that, there's, if you go on to the next picture, there's a, just, I quite like that. So keep calm and stay serious. That's the, the English thing, verses, yeah, there. We can express it. We can express this joy. It's okay. And again, my last C.S. Lewis quote on this, if I can find it. He said, in his reflection on the Psalms, he says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses what's going on, but it completes the enjoyment. We were designed to let that out. Do you know what that means? If he's right, it means that if we're kind of just having this intellectual joy or something that's kept inside, we're not completing the joy. We are stealing from God's glory. Do you realise that? So, what do we think of that? No, it was pretty good worship today, wasn't it? That was pretty cool. So let's have more of that. We're allowed to laugh. We're allowed to yell. We're allowed to dance like loonies. You know what? I want to be completely free in my expression of the joy of God. And I'm only starting as well. And going back to that bus picture, you know what? The world could do with some real joy, right? It is looking in kind of really spoiled, kind of tarnished versions of joy. We've got the real thing. Let's redeem it. Let's take it out there. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do your work amongst us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come move amongst us now. We just want to receive who you are, your kingdom, joy be poured out amongst us. Wow. Great, let's move on to the third point. Rejoicing. I described it as rejoicing the step of faith. And the question that goes with that is what happens when you don't feel it? You're not feeling particularly joyful. And I had the preacher's test this week. When you know you're preaching on joy, maybe you can expect a little something to develop your authenticity as you build up to it. Um, so I had, I work for IBM, we have to write proposals, it's the most boring bit of the job. I assume no one from IBM is going to listen to this. But I was dumped something on Friday, just before the bank holiday weekend, 
and we had until the Wednesday to fill it in. And they timed it perfectly so we wouldn't be working the Monday, so I had quite a busy Tuesday ahead of me. And I just, honestly, because I, I knew I preached, I was going to preach on this, I did chuckle. I thought, okay, this is my, my chance to rejoice in the Lord always. Um, and, and you know what? I did, mainly because I knew I'd have to stand up here and tell you that <laughs> with integrity... But it was quite special. I made the choice. I'm not going to work the weekend. I'm going to have my bank holiday weekend and I'm going to go for it on the Tuesday. And it was a miracle. I don't know quite how, but by five o'clock on the Tuesday, I had completed it. The thing that I have to tell you, which did make me laugh, was I had a message from my colleague at the end of the day. And he said, he said the following. He said, good job on the uncomplaining approach wait for it, you have saint-like qualities, he said. Which I thought, if that's not a kind of, uh, you know, an uh, um, analogy for a sermon, I thought, there you go, there's one. So I, I had my test this week. Rejoice in the Lord always. So not just in the good times. Again, I would say rejoice. And Philippians, as I said, that book, just full of joy. You can go and look through it, whether it's about preaching the gospel, whether it's about the faith of the Philippians, whether it's about being in unity, uh, living holy lives. Joy is in there in, in you know, a dozen or so places. It's actually quite, quite amazing. But do you know where Paul wrote the letter of Philippians? Right? It was in prison. It's full of joy. Well, that's a pretty good example, isn't it? So rejoice in the Lord always, even in our darkest times, even in our prisons, as it were. So rejoicing, I've talked a lot about just dwelling and enjoying being with God, but sometimes it is also a choice. It is a decision and an action. And I just wanted to bring two uh, facets to that. So first of all, when we don't feel it, and I'll go through uh, what happens in, in tough times as well. So when we just don't feel joyful, and you know what? Reasons abound for why we may not feel joyful. Uh, the primary one for me seems to be tiredness, or whether it's sadness, some sort of event that's coming across you. Maybe it's just busyness and being distracted. Sometimes it's unforgiveness or sin or anger. Or that kind of thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's an action. Even in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. It's an action. I've got a little thought experiment for you. Let's see. This might be harder for some than others. We'll see how we go. Uh, imagine then you're angry or frustrated. I'll make it a bit more tangible for you with something a bit hypothetical. So imagine the following scenario. You've got four kids. You're... <laughs> Trying to, <laughs> I forgot you were going to be in. <laughs> You're going to try and uh, get to church on time. And so you're lining them up by the door and you're trying to get their shoes on. Right. <laughs> My word, that is a really tricky thing to do. So imagine what the emotions, can you, can you feel the emotions then? That, like, first of all, you start off really politely, you know, can you get your shoes on, please, children? Please is in there. Can you get your shoes on? You know, a bit louder. And without exaggeration, we do finish off with shoes. Just shoes. Please get your shoes. So you can feel the kind of emotion there, right? So a bit of thought to experiment. Now, into that, imagine yourself enjoying God <laughs> and him blessing you in that situation. We learn two things quite quickly. 
first of all, it's really, really hard, right? It's really hard. So that's why I say it's a step of faith, right? I'm not kind of trivialising this in any way. If, if stuff's been tough, it could be really hard. But rejoice in the Lord always. Secondly, if you can imagine yourself getting to the place of rejoicing in God in that situation, do you know what? It's really hard to hold on to annoyance. It's really hard to hold on to unforgiveness and offence. It's really hard to hold on, even you know, struggling with sin. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And I know what it's like if you're sad or you're hurting in some way, and you always feel, doesn't joy and laughter trivialise my situation? Doesn't it diminish it in some way? This hurts. Yeah, that's okay. But joy can be the door to leave that sadness, that hurt, or unforgiveness. I don't want to kind of play that down. It is hard. Rejoice in the Lord always. That is the door to leave it behind. So sometimes we don't feel like joy. But Paul encourages us, or even commands us, really, to step into it by faith. The feelings may or may not catch up. God is glorified by us declaring he is the sole source of our joy. Above and beyond our grumps, above our offences, Certainly above our sins, rejoice in the Lord always. It's a decision. And the, the other flip side to that is what about when we go through tough times? And I did, did want to cover that. You know, you don't know what I'm going through. How am I meant to rejoice in this? That's okay as well, right? God knows. God understands. Your expression of rejoicing at this time, it may be different, right? It Still a cry to rejoice in the Lord, but it can be expressed as a deep trust in God as your hope. Your joy, it may be deferred at this time, and you may not be able to step into it. But it will come. That is a promise. We know someone that's done this, right? Has been through a pretty tough time, and that's Jesus. Hebrews 12, it talks about Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross for the joy set before him we know how he cried for the joy set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God we know what he went through but it was the hope sure promise of joy that helped him go through it and the thing that's really excited me as I prepared this do you know what he got there Do you know what? That joy that was set before him, he is now in that joy. He's made it. That's a real encouragement as well. He is at the right hand of God, it said, which coincidentally, that psalm we read earlier, is where we discovered our pleasures forevermore. That's where Jesus is. I think it's quite cool to know that he is a happy God as well. This is the one I want to know. So rejoice in the Lord always could be a huge challenge but it remains for our satisfaction and his glory lies so take bold steps they are bold steps right we know it is but take bold steps to rejoice in the lord even when you don't feel like it so finally kind of moving towards a conclusion 
I've got uh, the fourth point, which is great joy. So I ask the question, when is joy not enough? It's when we're talking about great joy. And I just wanted to quickly think about Jesus, the person as well, and just join his life. And I have to say, this is my favourite Bible verse. The announcement by the angels of Jesus coming into this world um, as a baby is as follows. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Right, it's a great joy. This is awesome news. And I love it, right? So the Old Testament's been actually pretty good. You know, if you, you find the joy bits. And then that's not enough. We've got great joy. The Son of God is amongst us. And you know what? Joy fills his life, whether it's uh, the moment where the disciples come back from preaching the gospel and it says, you know, Jesus, full of joy in the Holy Spirit, praise God. You know, in Luke 10, so, you know, throughout his life and, and as we've already looked at, even at his death, joy was a factor in that as well. The joy set before him in the midst of tears is part of his life, but he's made it. Right, he's made it into that joy, and I was thinking this week, um, kind of disconnectedly, but I thought it fits in the sermon as well. And like, how do you best summarise this good news to people around you? And I'm not talking about the the, the four-point plan that kind of helps people understand the points of the gospel. I'm talking about what's real for you that explains the gospel to uh, the people you're talking to. And for me, you know what. I do like this joy stuff. It's, this is the invitation to become a Christian. We are called, we have a purpose. We are called to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And I've already mentioned Jesus being joyful, but as we've even gone through this sermon, we realise the whole trinity of God is joyful. We've talked about God the Father and pleasures you know, evermore at his right hand. We've talked about Jesus who has, has obtained the joy set before him. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit as well. And we know about hanging out with the Holy Spirit, what he does. And then there's joy there and joy in his kingdom. This is a happy God. People want to know him. He's not sitting there with a frown. This is a God that is happy. And I love, just to kind of bring this to conclusion, we've been looking at rejoicing the Lord always, which is Philippians 3 and Philippians 4. There's a bit in the middle in Philippians 3 where Paul kind of gets carried away and says, you know, what, whatever was to my profit, you could read, what I used to enjoy, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ. Give your life to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul said it again and again. I've said it again and again. So this is something of a personal journey. I'll just kind of wrap up now. I take joy seriously, right? This is about enjoying our God. This is about glorifying our God. My mission, which I've chosen to accept, is simple. I, you cannot overdo enjoying God. And I just want to encourage you, right? So I have two main points. One is, oh, get distracted by enjoying him. Just, you know, the prayer list, he knows that stuff. And correct the heresy, but just enjoy. Enjoy your God. The flip side of that, 
Let's be bold. Take steps of faith to rejoice in God as well.